Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you develop and enjoy or strengthen and deepen the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road and saw how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my soul and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through his word and through his presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the word of God with fresh eyes and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you again for joining me today. I'm so glad to have you along for this journey. Today, I'm going to talk about a mindset shift. I want to talk about switching from a have-to mentality to a get-to mentality. Over the years, I've talked to so many people, and whether they are struggling to establish this habit, have never ever had the habit in their life, or maybe they have the habit in their life already of daily Bible reading and prayer, it's sort of a checklist item. It's like, oh, this is my Christian duty. I have to read my Bible and pray. You do not have to read your Bible and pray. No one is forcing you to read your Bible and pray. Yes, there's an element in our Christian walk of have to. If we want to get to know God, we have to do this. If we want to grow spiritually, we have to do this. If we don't want to die spiritually, we have to do that. Do this. Just as we have to eat food to stay alive physically, we do have to read our Bible and pray if we're going to ever grow and if we are going to walk with God long term. So yes, there is an element of requirement. But overall, this is an incredible privilege. If we could just flip a switch in our minds from I have to to I get to, it would make all the difference in how we see the discipline of daily Bible reading and prayer. It is an absolute privilege. And the first thing I want to talk about, I really have three different things I want to talk about in switching our mindset. The first is just this point. Imagine the most powerful person in your sphere of influence, maybe your boss, maybe your pastor, maybe a coach on a team you play on, just someone very influential in your own life. What if they said, every day I want to meet you for coffee at 6 a.m.? I want to invest in your life. I want to just teach you some things. I want to hear what's on your heart. I really find it hard to believe there's anybody that would turn down that opportunity. It's going to be a different person for everybody, but most people would take that most influential person up on their offer of daily spending time with them. Step it back just a little bit. If there was someone who you really admired just in the world at large, a celebrity, a sports figure, I don't even know who it might be, and they gave you that same offer every single day at such and such a time. I want to meet you. I want to invest in you. I want to speak into your life. I want to teach you some of the things I've learned over the years. And I just want to listen to you talk. You can tell me about whatever is going on in your world. You would take them up on that offer. What about if the president of the United States, irregardless of what side of the aisle you're on, made you this offer, you would take them up on it. And we have someone so much greater. 
than the most powerful person that's ever walked the face of this planet. The God of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, literally gives us the opportunity to have relationship with him through his word, through his presence, through prayer, and yet so many of us see it as something we have to do. That is not a have to. There is a God who wants to meet you in your time and your place, like we talked about in the last episode. That is not a checklist item. I think we have to come to see that as the greatest privilege of all time. So first of all, again, just the fact that the God of heaven and earth desires relationship with you and is going to give you access to his heart, to his wisdom, to his compassion, to the best relationship, to the relationship you were made for through his word and through his presence. Second of all, I want to talk about the privilege of owning a Bible. In preparation for this episode, I just began to think of and and do a little bit of research about the fact that for years and years, the Bible was not available to the common people. In very ancient times, it was on scrolls. The Bible was originally written in Hebrew, that's the Old Testament, and the New Testament would have been written in Greek. There were, following that, some Latin translations um, that were just available to the most high leaders of the Catholic Church. No one, in terms of the common people, had access to the Bible. And in the 1300s, 1400s, 1500s, there were several men who came forward and felt that the scriptures should be available to common people because the church leaders had a lot of control through their control of the word of God. They could manipulate the word of God to say whatever they wanted. They could manipulate the salvation experience and what was required for salvation, again, because the common people had no access to the Bible. And so there were men, John Wycliffe, for example, who was hated because of his desire to translate the Bible from Latin to English. He wasn't burned at the stake. He died of natural causes prior to them being able to burn him at the stake. But his accomplices, the people that were helping him in this translation, were burned at the stake. In fact, I read in one place that years after his death, they dug up his bones in hatred for what he had done and burned his bones. People have died to give us the Bible in a form that we can read, that we can understand. I thought of William Tyndale, who was literally burned at the stake for his desire to put the Bible into common people's hands. We hear Tyndale Publishing House, and we just think, oh yeah, they publish Bibles, no big deal. No, the man who it's named for literally gave his life to put the word of God into the hands of the common people. There's been many people, those are just two examples. There's other stories that I've read of people who gave their lives for the translation of the Bible. There's a lot of translating going on around the world right now and a lot of people who are facing severe persecution because of it. Number three, I just want to touch on the fact that many people have died or been imprisoned for preaching the Bible, for smuggling the Bible, or for owning a Bible. 
I began to think of Richard Wormbrand, who is the founder of the Voice of the Martyrs organization. He spent 14 years imprisoned. Three of those years were in solitary confinement for his preaching of the Word of God and other things that were considered crimes against his government. He said this, and this quote is so profound to me. He said, I would not believe in a Bible if it would not be worth it to smuggle it in everywhere even at the greatest risk, and if it would not be worth it to sit 10 days and nights alone in the cold in order to read its wonderful pages. That is a man who knew what it was to spend days and nights alone in the cold. And I guarantee you that is somebody who knew what it was to love the word of God, who knew what it was to find it as a comfort and as a refuge. I began to think of Corey Ten Boom, who was able to smuggle a Bible into Ravensbrück, a Nazi concentration camp. And there were fleas in their barracks. And her sister, Betsy, said, the word of God tells us to give thanks in all things, and we are going to thank God for the fleas. And after the fact, they realized they were able to keep that Bible. They weren't discovered with that Bible, and they were able to have Bible studies with other ladies in their barracks because of those fleas. Um, There's so many powerful stories in the book that she wrote, The Hiding Place. I would urge you to read that book. It is so, so, so powerful. She talked about her dad, and she wrote this in that book. She said of her father, When I got back the last time, a group had gathered around father for evening prayers. Every day of my life had ended like this, that deep, steady voice, that sure and eager confiding of us all to the care of God. The Bible lay at home on its shelf, but much of it was stored in his heart. Wow, let that be said. Let much of the word of God that I have such easy access to be stored in my heart. One of the most impacting books I've ever read is about a man named Harlan Popov. He spent 13 years and two months in prison And the stories that he shares in that book of the torture that he endured for preaching the word of God, for loving the word of God, are so shocking. There was a time where he was forced to stand facing a white wall. I believe if it, it was for 14 days. And any time he would blink, they would beat him. His legs literally swelled from the blood going down to his ankles, just flowing down from the other places of his body to the, the point that He said it looked like his legs were like elephant legs. These stories have so, so impacted my life. So impacted my life. And I think it's very instructive to us as to the treasure that we have in our ready access and availability of the Bible. Currently, there's a lot of people that don't have access to the Bible around the world. There's so many countries of the world I would encourage you to look at the map that Voice of the Martyrs offers on their website about the restricted nations where it's either illegal to own a Bible or where it is highly dangerous to own a Bible. It is so convicting. For example, in Iran, it's illegal to own, print, import, or distribute the Bible. Since they are so difficult to obtain, Bibles are treasured by Iranian believers. Few have their own copy of the Word of God. It's illegal to own a Bible in China. 
people will literally walk hours to hear the word of God because they don't have Bibles. One video that I love on YouTube talks about how Chinese Christians asked a visiting minister to preach. And he said, how long should I preach? They said, from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. And they said, then will you come back the next day and preach from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m.? And will you come back the day after that? And he said, what should I preach on? And they said, preach on everything from Genesis to Revelation. They don't have Bibles. When we understand the incredible privilege that's afforded to us, it's going to fuel our desire for this habit. And once we get into this habit, the habit fuels itself. It becomes the best part of your day. It becomes something that you would not want to go without. And when you have this habit established in your life, you begin to see how it affects your mindset, your outlook, your hunger for the things of God. The Bible tells us that there is going to come a day when there's going to be a famine, not for bread or for water, but for hearing the word of the Lord. And I don't want to have a self-imposed famine in my life while I have a Bible available to me. I want to hunger for the word of God. I want to love the word of God. I want to live and obey the word of God. I want to get to know God through his word and through his presence. So again, I just want to remind you, of the incredible privilege. You don't have to read your Bible. You get to read your Bible. The God of heaven and earth wants to meet with you every day. Secondly, the Bible has not always been available to the common people. And third of all, there's many people that have died in the process of translating, preaching, defending, and loving the word of God. And so this is an incredible, incredible privilege. Our mindset matters. I'm going to transition just a little bit. I'm going to share a thought today called the God who stays. Again, a relationship with Jesus through his word and through his presence is one of the most incredible privileges of all time. And I think for those of us in America, we must not take this lightly. We have the privilege of relationship and we have access to the word of God And this is a God who is going to be with us through every high and through every low. Without further ado, I'd like to share this little devotional thought, The God Who Stays. Thinking this morning of what Pastor taught about last night, God being our Father and our identity as children, thinking of how God has stuck with me through the years and proven himself faithful, He has proven to me that he never walks away, that he never gives up. He is my father. On the heels of, or mixed up with this thought, is the thought of the deep human fear of rejection and abandonment. So many in our world have been abandoned or rejected in their lifetime. These wounds are deep. They are deep because at the core of every human soul is an an innate desire to be nurtured, noticed, wanted, loved, and cared for. Rejection and abandonment strike heavy blows at this most primal desire and need. The wounds of abandonment and rejection cut deep to the core of a person and leave wounds that trigger responses years, even decades after the wound was inflicted. 
Because of the breakdown of the family and rampant sin in our society, many deal daily with wounds from rejection and abandonment. Maybe a father walked out, maybe a mother walked out, maybe divorce shattered a picture-perfect home, maybe a long-time friendship came to a screeching halt and they are left reeling, Maybe a Dear John letter never explained why the one they hoped would be their better half walked out of their heart. Maybe someone stopped calling or coming around when the fringe benefits ended. Maybe someone who was a key player in their life is suddenly gone for one reason or another. Maybe this form of loss that can't be grieved in the same way as death finds them staggering under its sometimes crippling weight. Maybe the party life with one night stands has reinforced the lie you're not worth sticking around for. Whatever the reason, many have father wounds, many have mother wounds, many have faced rejection and abandonment. And these wounds leave so many asking the rest of the people in their lives, will you leave me too? Maybe the question is not asked directly, but past experience leaves that question always gnawing away at the inside of their soul and resounding in their subconscious mind. As I write this, two questions that Jesus asked come to mind. John 6, 66 says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Following this abandonment, Jesus said unto the twelve, Will you go away? Will you also go away? Jesus, in his humanity, asked the question our wounded hearts so often ask. In another dark moment, we hear him ask this question of God. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the lowest, darkest moment of his human existence, Jesus' humanity knew what it was to feel rejection and abandonment from God. He wasn't truly rejected or abandoned, but he felt it so keenly that he cried out our question. Jesus knew the weight of abandonment and rejection. The God who walked the dusty streets of our world asked the same questions we so often carry. Why did you leave me, and will you leave me too? These questions are real. These questions haunt the corridors of our minds. But as I think of the reality of these questions and the reality of the wounds that so many live with, a promise rings loudly in my ears. In Moses' final address to God's chosen people, Israel, he says, Be strong and courageous. The Lord your God will go with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Some translations say he will never abandon you. The writer of Hebrews reiterates this promise in the New Testament. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 tells us to live with contentment. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Why? He goes on, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Amplified Bible puts it like this, So we may take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do unto me? Wow. 
He will never leave you or forsake you. Never is kind of like all. Never has no exceptions. He will never leave you. Let that sink in. Let that speak peace over your ravaged soul. Let that simple line pour healing oil into old wounds. He will never leave you in the dark, in the low places. He will never leave you when you've got it all together and you think you're big stuff. He will never leave you in your pain, your questions, your uncertainty. He will never leave you when you fail and fall and stumble. He will never leave you when loss rocks your world and it seems your life will always be adrift on a sea of tears. Whatever the season or scenario you could think up, he will never leave you. His love and faithfulness knows no limits. Wrap yourself in this truth. He is your father and he will never walk away. Great is his faithfulness. Live in this promise. Let it answer those questions you've been asking so long. Let his unfailing love seep down into the deep, dark places where those questions were born. Let these words be balm for your wounded soul. He will never leave you or forsake you. And then I have the lyrics from a song from Matthew West. It says, you're the God who stays. You're the one who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away. You're the God who stands with wide open arms and you tell me nothing I have ever done could separate my heart from the God who stays. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for staying. Again, that's just a little devotional thought called The God Who Stays. Today, I just wanted to remind you again of the incredible, incredible privilege of, first of all, having a relationship with the God of the universe. Second of all, of owning a Bible that's available to you and your language. And third of all, that there is a God who will never leave you or forsake you. He's the God who stays. I'm so thankful for all the times that I have climbed up into the refuge of his word. And I have found that he is still there day after day after day after day. And so I hope that this little episode will help you switch from a have-to mentality to a get-to mentality. Because mindset truly, truly matters. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or if you'd like to download a typed or handwritten transcript of today's entry, please visit megunedited.com. There's also a Get Started tab that has tips for finding a time and a place, a tips page on prayer, tips page on Bible study. There's some resources and recommendations at the website as well for now. Go grab your Bible and your journal. I'm looking forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.